Hello and welcome to Knowing Nature, the podcast all about exploring and engaging with the natural world. My name's Victor, and in this special add-on episode, I'm talking with a few other educators that I know about the habitats that they've created for invertebrates. They're going to be telling us about the invertebrates that they found, uh, how they set up their habitats, and what they're hoping to attract. First off, there's my habitat. I went ahead and built one. I used just a yogurt container that I had. I'd finished some yogurt and I have a little patio. So I went and looked underneath a flower pot and I found these two teeny, teeny, tiny snails. And I thought, ooh, these would be perfect to live indoors with me for a couple days. So I set up their little habitat with a little bit of soil that I managed to scrape up from uh, another flower pot that I had. I put a little bit of that at the bottom. I found a couple tiny little seedlings of... I'm not sure what plant exactly. One of them I'm not sure. The other one looks like a three-leaf clover, and I know that that's going to be a type of sorrel, a, a wood sorrel, because I, I have that growing in my flower pots outside, and the leaves are the same as those. So there are these two little seedlings that I've popped in there with them, because I know that snails generally like to eat plant matter. So they might, some eat, will, will eat living plants, some will eat decaying plants. So I put those two little seedlings in there uh, to act as a bit of a food source for them. Uh, and I've also put in a few kitchen scraps that I've had. So in case these little snails uh, like to eat more decaying plant matter. So one was a little wilted leaf from a bag of salad that I have. I put that in there with them. And the other one is the top of a carrot. So you know, I use the rest of the carrot and this top bit normally I would compost but this in this case I decided to put it in the uh, little habitat with them to see if the snails would like that. After I put together this little habitat I put the lid back on the uh, yogurt container and it's just been living on a windowsill. Now I've been putting it on a north-facing windowsill so one that doesn't get direct sunlight and that is very important for habitats like this. Any kind of enclosed habitat because if you put a closed like glass jar or plastic container on a very sunny windowsill, what's going to happen is that sun is going to hit the soil and other things that are in the jar, and it's going to start to generate quite a lot of heat. And because it's got a lid on, that heat is going to stay trapped inside your container, and it'll get quite warm in there, quite humid in there very quickly, and that um, isn't good for most things. So, so what I would suggest is to put your habitat somewhere that gets some light, but you don't want direct sunlight all day. So if you've got a north-facing window um, or an east-facing windowsill, those would be really good. But also, because we're not going to be keeping these for very long, you can also just put them on a table. It doesn't need to be next to a window. Somewhere so you can observe your creature for a little while, and then in a couple days, um, return it back outside. So that's what I've been up to. Let's jump now to some interviews I recorded with other educators uh, about the invertebrates that they're observing around their homes. So joining me on the line from South London is Maggie Kanska, another environmental educator that I've had the pleasure of working with for a number of years. How are you, Maggie? Yes, very well, thank you. How are you, Victor? Also doing well. Uh, now, you've, you've built... Uh, a little terrarium, is that right? That's right. So who did you build your terrarium for? Who's staying with you for a few days? So I, I built my little habitat for wood lice, um, a family of wood lice. 
and I used a glass jar that I got from a jam jar, so it's quite easy to get hold of. I then needed to use some soil and find some dead wood that was that's very important for wood lice. Mm-hmm. So where did you find the dead wood and the wood lice? Just down, just down the road, uh, there's loads of wood running around where they cut down some trees or just in your local park or just block a local area there's usually wood lying around or wood wooden sticks that you can find uh so you've got this wood for wood lice and it is in the name for the wood lice but what what is the wood for so there are two absolutely essential things to think about when you're trying to house a wood lice and make sure that it survives and thrives in your habitat and that is dampness you need to make sure that it's the area is dump it needs to be sprayed uh because um Wood lice are actually crustaceans, so they breathe with gills, not with lungs. So they need that humidity to get their air. Uh, but it can't be too wet either. So make sure you spray the wood lice habitat regularly. The wood is, of course, their favourite food. That is their main source of food. They eat the dead wood. So again, without that wood in your terrarium, they won't be able to survive. So you've thought about uh, breathing, you've thought about food for them, and then hiding places. Presumably they just like to hide under the wood. Absolutely. They are very shy creatures. Uh, as I said, they like dump places and often dump places or they're the dark places. Mm-hmm. So if you back up your sticks and your wood and keep it nice and humid, they'll find little pockets inside where they can hide, they can feel safe and they can have enough humidity to breathe through with their gills. But of course, also plenty of food. Excellent. Have you seen your wood lice doing anything exciting? Have you noticed any interesting behaviour? Um, as soon as I put the wood lines in there, they very quickly scampered deeper underneath the layers of wood. And that's that's the perfect habitat. That's where they like to be. Nice mm-hmm. and safe from fires, nice and humid. And of course, close to their favorite food, the wood. Now, wood lice, I believe you can also, like, if you didn't have very much wood around for them, or if you wanted to feed them something extra, you can feed them on kitchen scraps as well. Is that right? Uh, yes, but be be mindful. They don't like anything too um, too sour. So um, definitely not things like peels of your uh, oranges or lemons. They won't like that. Uh, but but other other food scrap could work as well. So potato peels, carrot peels, things like yep. that. Um, they will feed off potentially as well. Yeah. So you could actually use them as well, and you wouldn't put in like. For a few wood lice, you wouldn't feed them the peels from a whole potato. You'd put in like maybe one peel, wouldn't you? Yes, they are tiny. They don't need much, much food at all. Of course, the wood is also good for them to lay eggs in. Um, so that, that's another reason why the wood is there. But if you're putting scraps of food, little pieces, you don't really want too much that will just start rotting away and the wood lice wouldn't be able to, to finish all up at once. So little pieces, but not more than that. Yeah. Where where are you keeping your terrarium? Where are you putting it? So I'm not going to put it in my sunny windowsill because it might get too they might get overheated, but also um they don't like direct sunlight. So if you have a shaded area um in your room, anywhere on a on a shelf for instance, that could work well. Just avoid direct sunlight. It will get too hot and too light for them. Yeah. Because they like to live in dark, shady places. So you could actually just keep them almost anywhere really they don't need to be by a window at all no yeah. you you can keep them anywhere in your house uh no i've made a lid out of a plastic bag but i made so sure to punch enough holes through that plastic bag to make sure that 
they get enough oxygen through that and also they don't escape <laughs> yes very important because they because our, our houses are actually quite harsh for quite a lot of of invertebrates because it's you know houses are very dry environments compared to outside so as you said woodlice probably wouldn't live for very long um inside one of our houses it's a, if they would escape your your lovely cozy terrarium um they are escaping into the how your house which is an absolute uh, desert for them and impossible to survive and so make sure they stay there nice and safe yep uh, well, thank you very much, Maggie. Uh, it's lovely to see the photos that you sent through. And of course, those will be put up in uh, on our website for other people to see. Thank you very much. Great talking to you, Victor. Take care. So joining me from in her flat in South London is Aisha Lewis, uh, a fellow environmental educator. Hello, Aisha. Hi, Victor. How are you today? Doing very well. Stuck indoors, but that's all right because we can still get into exploring nature from our own homes. Yes, indeed. Now, I understand you have made a window box. Yes, I have. It's a little bit of a hodgepodge one. So it's just a few made from a few of the herbs I had growing in my kitchen that I normally use for spices. But uh, yeah, so what I've done instead is I've repotted those into a small window box and place them outside my window. Wonderful. Are you hoping to attract um, some invertebrates with those herbs? Yes, I am. So ideally, I'm hoping to attract some of the more fanciest and glamorous of the invertebrates. Uh, so bees or butterflies. Uh, but yeah, anything would be really nice at this point. It'd be uh, lovely to see just any sort of nature, nature, well, nature type visitors calling. Yep, just outside our windows. So what made you choose kitchen herbs instead of, I don't know, something else to attract butterflies? So I live pretty centrally, so I don't have any um, plants. We don't have any garden. And because I'm in self-isolation, I can't go out to go and buy any of these things. So the only little bit of greenery I had was the, yeah, the small herbs I use for cooking. So I thought, okay, these can go outside and uh, hopefully attract some little critters to come see them. Yeah, excellent. So you just had these growing around. Are these the like the living herbs you can just buy from the from the shops? Yeah, yeah, they cost them. Um, they were on offer actually for fifty p in my local supermarket because I think they uh, they thought they'd expired. But a little bit of love, water, and some plant food, and yeah, they grow into quite a considerable size. Ah, excellent. Yeah, I know. Um, there was one day when I uh, was going to throw something away in the bin. And uh, when I opened the bin, I found like a, the tiniest stump of one of those rosemary plants that you could buy, you know, at a grocery store. And I rescued it. And it like my flatmate had made good use of that her rosemary plant. It was literally just a, a three centimeter stump left behind. Um, but I, yeah, watered it, gave it some love, and eventually planted it outside. And now it's this massive, massive bush, this massive rosemary shrub. Oh, wow. Yeah, so you can get some really good value from those. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's such a nice way to do uh, your cooking as well. Always have some to hand as well. So always, yeah, definitely recommend them for uh, all sorts, not just attracting bugs, but to have in the kitchen anyway. Yeah, nice and fresh. How have you kept them alive? Because I know that the problem that some people have and that I have when I've grown at 
uh, quite a few times is that I they they just die. Have you any tips and tricks? Yeah, so the, we had a big problem, I think, with um, one of our little um, cilantro plants uh, that it got aphids. So mm-hmm. I found that uh, regularly spraying it down with a garlic solution really helped any sort of you know pests getting on it and killing it that way um, and repotting them as well they seem to get very cramped very quickly in the small pots that they're sold in mm-hmm. if you if you replant them quite quickly into something big where they can actually start to spread out their roots they they survive a lot longer that way as well excellent and how long have you had these potted plants uh, these herbs have had uh, just over a year now oh wow yeah so that's really there. good going yeah, they're, they're pretty, they're getting on in years. I've become quite attached to them, I'll be honest. I haven't actually <laughs> taken cuttings from them for herbs in a very, very long time because it somehow seems a little bit wrong. Yeah, yeah, they they become part of the family, don't they? Uh, yeah, yeah, seems to be weird to just uh, chop bits and pieces off them after all this time. But uh, yeah, no, they, they've grown really, really big. Oh, excellent. Well, thank you very much, Aisha. I'll be uh, putting up a photo of your window box. Uh, you'll find those in the show notes for this episode. Um, but before we go, Aisha, I understand we can put we can put in a little plug because I understand you've got a um, children's book that you've written. Yeah, it's about um, coral and uh, the obviously the problems and issues it faces at the moment with their global warming and everything else that's going on in our oceans it's called peter pollop and pals rescue the reef and it's just aimed at children to explain to them uh, what coral is and some of the environmental impacts that yeah are happening around our coral reefs at the moment oh, and where can people find this book that's at the moment it's only available in the state so i don't have an actual british link for it yet but i'm sure i can get one um for you and you'll be able to uh, maybe pop it down somewhere in uh, the link suggestion yeah absolutely and if they if we do get any listeners in the u.s where might they be able to find it so at the moment it's um part of i do believe the harvard press one mm-hmm. and um, they'll be able to get it there well i'll put links down in the show notes uh, aisha thank you very much for sharing oh, your your window box you're very welcome have a great day have a great day A few tips for setting up habitats for a few more creatures. If you want to set up a a habitat for uh, earthworms, what I recommend is that you use two containers, one that will fit inside the other one. So, and you wanna use a clear glass container or a clear plastic container as well. So what you wanna do is put the smaller container in the center of your larger container Uh, and then fill that larger container with soil. And what that will do is it will mean that the worm needs to stay close to the edge of the jar so that you can actually see it. Uh, Now, earthworms are also sensitive to light, so what you'll want to do is to also make some kind of dark or opaque um, sleeve that can go around your outside container to block out the sunlight. And that way the worms won't be too bothered as they go around their business Um, around the edge of the jar then you can take it off when you want to observe them for a few minutes same goes for ants if you're keeping ants they also like to bury into the ground and they're also a bit sensitive to light so again with those same setup put your smaller container in the center of your larger one fill that with soil or sand and then put in the creatures
So I hope this episode has given you some ideas for how to make a habitat for invertebrates inside your own home so you can observe them up close. For photos of these different habitats and more details, of course, you can check out the show notes at knowingnaturepodcast.wordpress.com. And for questions, comments, or to send us photos of the habitats that you've built, send an email to knowingnaturepodcast at gmail.com. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening.